Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. How you guys feeling this morning? That was that was slightly better than the first service. First service, I was like, I'm going home. Like, oof. But I'm so glad that you are here. If I if I lose volume control and I start yelling, it is not because I'm overly excited. It's because I've been in about 120 decibels for 48 hours straight leading the conference. And so there's a ringing. It just rings. You ever been to a really loud concert? That's where I I hear myself echoing in my own ears, so that's fun. But hey, we kicked off a series last week called Airplane Mode, and I encourage you in this 21 days of prayer season, this, this time, to recognize that so often we're continually focused on movement and constantly going and running and running and running and running. But it's when we actually stop, when we actually pause, that we see the direction we're heading in our life. It's in the pausing that allows us to recognize what is actually going on. Because we, if we're honest with one another, if we actually stopped and saw where we were going, we, many of us would go, I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just trying to, to keep up with whatever is happening in life, and I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to hang on for dear life. And, and at the root of it all, our, our personal relationship with God that we talked about last week, it's the source from which all other relationships grow and deepen and mature. And so that's an important priority. And in and, and this new year, in this idea of slowing down and reconnecting with God, we need to determine the direction we're going. Why is that so important? Well, I heard this statement, and one of my favorite leaders says it this way, and you see it in your notes, that our direction, not our intention, determines our destination. Our direction, not our intention. That's the, the key little bubble there. Not our intention, but our direction. If we never stop to see where the, the water and the direction of our life is flowing, one day many of us will wake up and realize, this is not the life I wanted. This is not what I, I thought my marriage would look like. This is not what I thought my friendships would look like. This is, this is not what I thought my family would look like. This, this really isn't who I wanted to be. That's why it's so important for us to pause and recognize the direction where our life is going. And so if, if that relationship with God, like we talked about last week, is, is the priority, that's, that's number one at the top of the totem pole. Number two, today we're going to talk about our family structures. We're going to talk about our families, the relationships with the people that we, we love the most and that we're closest to and, and the ones that we have to put up with all the time. We're going to talk through our family structures. So, so Lauren and I, We've been married now for over 15 years and, and together for about 20. And, and all of these years being together, when we, when we first got together, we weren't really worried about like marriage and all of that stuff because when we talked about it, our picture of what marriage would be was, 
was pretty much identical. What we, what we hoped about, like, hey, we should probably wait about this amount of time to have kids. That's perfect. How many kids do you want to have? That's perfect. Okay, this is working out. So it, it all seemed way too easy, and it was working out. And our family was like, hey, you guys come from two completely different cultures. Are you sure you're, you know, you're processing all of this? And we're like, we've talked through everything. We feel good about it. And so... Honestly, it worked out really well in that. And so we assumed the same thing would take place when it came to parenting. We were wrong. 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, our our first daughter was born and we knew immediately this is going to be a different this is going to be a different world for us. We we do. It's the first time our different cultures actually played a part in the relationship. And from our very first pediatrician appointment, we knew this is going to be different. So we, we were there and we we're asking her about some, some spotting that was at the bottom of, of Brooklyn's back. And the doctor trying to be as kind as possible, we, we said, Doc, what, what is going on? It's our first baby. We're kind of nervous. What's going on here? And she goes, um, so uh, this is, we, we see this in babies that one parent is, is white and the other parent is not white. When we lived in the South, I confused people a lot. They didn't know. They were like, are you Spanish? Are you black? Are you Asian? I can't understand who you are. It's confusing me. So it's this, this, we knew right off the bat, okay, parenting is going to be a different ball game from the very beginning. Our cultures were different. And, and nearly a decade into this parenting journey, we realized that we wanted the same results but how we got there was different. How we got there was different, and we had to navigate this. Lauren, Lauren intuitively is, is, is sensitive to the girl's feelings and, and very careful with the words that we use. I grew up in a family where there's no filters, there's no fluff. The priority is you will respect me or you're going to find out today. Like, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. It was a very different culture. So when I correct the girls, I have to watch Lauren for cues. Like I'm making eye contact with her. I'm like, listen, y'all better get it together because Jesus said you need to honor your mother and your father. (laughs) The Bible said, is that okay? Can I say that? I wait for Lauren to go in the other room and I tell him, I'm said, let me just tell you something. You're lucky your mama's white. Because if you grew up how I grew up, you wouldn't make it. I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. The point is this. The point is this. We have to establish structures and we, what we want our, our relationships to look like. We have to establish structures and how we want our marriage to look like, our dating to look like, our parenting, our friendships. The people that are in that inner circle, there needs to be intentional structures around it. And and so many times when we hear the word family structure, we immediately go to, oh, okay, you're talking about like a a two-parent household or single parents or, or a blended family. No, 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 no. This is what I want you to process. The true family structure, the true family structure is what values and habits shape the direction of your relationships. That's your family structure. The habits, the values shape not the intention, but the direction. 
Those are the key structures. And, and Jesus's most famous sermon in the gospel is the Sermon on the Mount. There's a, a, a little parable illustration that he used talks, uh, talking about the structures of our life. And, and I want you to listen to these words, but I want you to think about it in, in the sense of the structure of your relationships. Jesus says this in Luke 6. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? We can just stop right there. What? Why are you calling me Lord when you don't do anything? Don't call me dad if you ain't ever going to listen to me. What are you? You got to listen here. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it, puts it into action. It is like a person, and maybe you're familiar with this, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. If you've heard this, this illustration before, you, you usually key on and, okay, are you building your house on the rock or are you building your house on the sand? It's the rock or the sand. But what was the whole point of what Jesus was saying? Your life, your relationships, your, your family is built on something. So what is it built on? Is it built on something that is firm? Is it built on something that is intentional? Is it, is it built on obedience and faithfulness and, and effort, or is it just built on intentions? The person who builds their family, their life, their identity listens and obeys what Jesus says. They dig past the surface and they find that firm foundation. But if you listen and ignore, if you hear it, if you, if you know these things and you're like, oh, that's a good idea, but you never put them into action, it's like building your house just on the ground. The moment that the weather and the ground begins to erode from waters and rains and floods, your house comes crumbling down. And this is, this is a question that I've been processing within myself probably for the last six months at I started really chewing on this and evaluating it within my own life. And I want you to think about it this way. It's this question here. Are your relationships structured to fail or to flourish? And if you want, you can take the word relationship out of there and put whatever word you want in there. Is your identity structured to fail or to flourish? Is your family structured to fail or to flourish? Is your finances structured to fail or to flourish? Is your marriage structured to fail or to flourish? The truth is this. They're already structured. The question is, was it intentional or unintentional? Remember, our habits... Our actions, our values, those shape the direction, those shape the structure. 
Now we can reinforce the structure. We can rebuild the structure. We can, look, we watch enough HDTV. We can put a cross beam that costs $20,000 so we can open, make open concept rooms. Like we, we know we can restructure things. But is your life structured? Is your relationship structured intentionally? Or is it, has it been built by just assumptions and aspirations and things that you haven't actually put into action? The reason for Lauren and I that we can navigate the storms of life, the reason why we could plant a church in the middle of a pandemic, the, the reason why we can, we can navigate unexpected death on our doorstep. The reason why we can navigate all of the things that happen in our life is because we know without a shadow of a doubt that there may be a lot of other moving pieces, but when it comes to the two of us, the structure is firm. It is built on a firm foundation, so whatever storms come, whatever battles come, whatever misunderstandings come, whatever happens, we know that it's built on a firm foundation so we can weather it together. Do you have that structure in your family? Is it, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Do we have bad? I'm about to tell you about all kinds of bad days that we've had together. That doesn't, that's not the picture I want in your mind. But you have to ask yourself, what are my relationships built on? The old saying is true that summer relationships are for a reason, some are for a season, and some are for a lifetime. But when it comes to your key relationships, those people within your inner circle, we can't leave it up to chance. So how do you determine what your family structures are? I think one of the best ways that has helped me is to ask myself, am I building walls or am I building pillars? Walls or pillars? Thinking about this, walls are meant to, to keep something or someone out. Walls are meant to, to hide things. Walls are meant to, to protect things. Are you building walls? Are you building pillars? Pillars, in my mind, pillars are built to hold up something of value. But it's also scaffolding for growth. A pillar is something you can keep building on and it continues to grow. So using that illustration, I believe we can ask ourselves three important questions around this. The first one is this, have you built walls of offense or pillars of forgiveness? Walls of offense or pillars of forgiveness? If you've been around here for a little while, you, you know what my favorite word in the dictionary, the English language is, and it's the word unoffendable. I love that word. I want to live my life in that way, that I am unoffendable. Is it because I believe that everyone in the world is going to like me? Absolutely not. Is it because I think everyone's always going to say something nice about me? Absolutely not. Am I an emotionless robot that doesn't feel anything? No. But I've understood this Walls of offense, walls of bitterness, it gives power to the other person to determine who I believe I am. And I'm just old enough to be tired of somebody else trying to tell me who I am besides Jesus. I just don't have the energy for it. If anyone is going to shape who I believe I am, I want it to be Jesus. I don't want it to be 
that crazy person in my life that, that told me one day that I, I wasn't enough, that I'm not going to be able to do. I'm not going to let those words shape me. But what happens is those, those moments happen in our life and we build walls of offense. We build walls of bitterness and we build walls to protect ourselves from feeling what we felt in that moment. But what we don't realize in those relationships that are in our inner circle, those most important people, the people that we love the most, if we continue to build up those walls, we disconnect and we struggle to be able to, to, to have a connection with them in the way that we truly want. Now, while that's true, it's also important for us to understand and, and have the responsibility of owning our words, that our words have power especially when it comes to the people that we love the most. We have to understand that the things that we say carry more weight. The words that you say to your spouse, the words that you say to your best friend, the words that you say to your parents, the words that you, you say to your fiance, the, the words that you say to that person you're dating, they carry far more weight than the words of a boss or some keyboard warrior on Facebook. Your words, I, I, I like to picture it this way, that when I'm speaking to someone, especially to my girls, to, to my wife, to my family, to those people closest to me, it's as if I'm taking a weight out of my mouth and I'm asking them to hold it. That's what my words do. And so I need to be intentional. So Danny, you're saying we should never say the truth? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be responsible. If I chuck a 15-pound weight at my seven-year-old, that's irresponsible. But I do that with my words? You see what I'm saying? We, we think it's, oh, it's just words. It's just, just saying things. No. We would never physically take a weight and throw it at someone's head, but we would throw all kinds of words at them and expect it not to do anything. We have to be responsible when that words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. What do your words bring? Do your words bring healing? Do your words bring hurt? We have to, we have to be intentional about that. Some psychologists believe that it takes 10 positive statements to erase one negative. It's just the weight of those words. And there's one last note that I, I, I'll share with you. And somebody, you might get mad at me, but it'll be all right. Your intent is irrelevant if your approach is immature. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. The worst apology on the planet. I'm sorry you took it that way. That's not what I meant. Our intentions don't matter if our approach is immature. We have to be careful with our words. Number two, have you built walls of fear or pillars of anticipation? Walls of fear or pillars of anticipation. As I was, I was working on this 
earlier this week, I, I just felt this statement so deep in my spirit, and it just was such a challenge for me, and I hope a challenge for you. You have to recognize that your what-ifs are robbing you of your what-could-be. Your what-ifs, those walls of fear. Well, what if this happens? What, what, if, what if something goes wrong? What if you get cancer? What if you die? What if this happens? What if we go broke? What, you're what-ifing your relationship into disarray. What would happen in your relationships if you shifted? What would happen in your life if you shifted it from the, the what ifs to what could be on the other side of this challenge? What could be on the other side of this agreement with my wife? What could be on the other side of this challenging season, this, this, this tension within our relationships? What could be on the other side? To live with some anticipation, some vision. I talked about it last week, that, that vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Are you anticipating, hoping, believing for something more in your relationship? I, I love how the Apostle Paul, he reminds his protege of this in 2 Timothy 1 and 6. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This verse is so important. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God is not the voice whispering in your ears, what if something goes wrong? That's not God. God is the one that's saying, there's something on the other side. There's something I want to do in this. I've given you, you have the option to have a, a sound mind, a life of power, a heart filled with love. Relationships built on, on pillars of anticipation have the capacity to continually grow. But hope is not just a feeling, it requires action. It requires action, that, we, that we, we dig in, that we move past the heat of the moment and we circle back to a conversation and we fight for trust with one another and we, we navigate those things. Uh, talking with, with some of the young adults over the, the last uh, few months as we, we kind of prepare to, to launch a ministry for them and here in the next couple months as we're, we're working through the details of that and talking with them about relationships. It's this interesting that's happening, especially in, in, in young adults that are in their early 20s. They have this mentality that I'm going to come across someone perfect and they're not going to ask me to change and I'm not going to have to ask them to change and it's just going to work out. So I'm just going to keep cutting off all these relationships until I finally come across this one person because there's an endless sea of options. But you're never going to find that person. It doesn't exist. Every healthy relationship is built on, hey, here's my gifts, here's my strengths, Here's my weaknesses. Can I live with your weaknesses? Can we come alongside each other and, and help and grow and mature? That's a healthy relationship where we grow and mature. 
anticipation is, is what could be rather than the, the apathy of what could go wrong. The third question that we have to ask ourselves is this, have you built walls of mistrust or pillars of faith? Walls of mistrust or pillars of faith. Mistrust means to, to regard with suspicion or doubt. Pull, pull back the curtain for you guys, for, for Lauren and I. When, when Lauren and I have a misunderstanding, and it's not all that often, right? Yeah. You, yeah, sure. When we have a misunderstanding, there, there's some questions that we ask ourselves. We, we ask to one another. Do you believe that I would intentionally do this to hurt your feelings? Do you believe that I would, I, I actually feel this way towards you? Do you believe that this was done with the intention of X, Y, and Z? We ask that, and 99% of the time, the, the answer is, of course not. I just got in my feels, and it just, it just felt like this is what you're doing. But that 1% of the time, there's an important moment within our relationship where one of us says, if I'm just being real, there's a part of me that felt like you kind of did do it intentionally. And it's in that 1% that we get to dig past the surface and fight for trust with one another. To explain intent, to, to try to navigate what's actually motivating, to understand how my actions are being filtered through her life and through her mind and through, through what she's experiencing. But a lot of people... They just leave those walls of mistrust. I've had so many people that are just like, my husband's always going to act that way, so it just doesn't matter. Or my wife, she's going to do what she wants to do, so it just is what it is. It just is what it is. It, it's, it's what it is. It's so important for us to be honest. Do you fully trust the intentions and the motivation of the person that you love. Of course I do, Danny. I do way too much marriage counseling for y'all to be up in here pretending like everybody's at 100% trust in intentions and motives. I'm just saying, if we're honest with ourselves, there are places within those key relationships that we aren't being honest with them. And it leads to walls of mistrust. It leads to the moment something happens in our relationship, it gets filtered through the lens, they don't care. It gets filtered through the lens of, they don't see the value I bring. They don't see how hard I work. They don't recognize, they don't acknowledge me, they don't affirm me, they don't, and it all gets filtered through there. And then what do you think happens? Wall, 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 wall. And before long, the disconnect is so great because there's so many walls that the relationship starts to crumble. But we can get ahead of that. And some of you are like, Danny, we've been together for 30 years. I don't want to hear about this. I'm just crazy enough to believe that if you've been married for 40 years, you can still have a pillar of faith. 
a pillar of anticipation. I'm just crazy enough to believe that you've been together for 60 years. God can still grow you closer to him and to each other. I'm just crazy. Just call me crazy. I believe that there's still more for your relationships, whether you've been together for two months or 27 years. I believe that God has more. We have to listen and obey. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Jesus is challenging us in that, in that heavy, important tier of our life. Do the work, listen and obey, dig in to see. This is, this is how we start to begin to tear down those walls of mistrust. It's this statement here. Trust is restored when your family knows you'll never stop pursuing them or fighting for right relationship with them. Trust is restored when your family knows, hey, look, we may not be on the same page. We may be as far as the Atlantic Ocean is from the Pacific Ocean. We, we are on two different worlds but I'm not going to stop pursuing you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop fighting for right relationship with you because it matters too much. Trust is restored. Guys, husbands, we're going to be doing men's breakfast coming up here in February, so we'll get to hang out again, but I know it's been a minute. But husbands, your wife... Your kids, my wife, my kids, they're asking the question without asking it out loud. Will you give up on me? Am I, am I safe to process my feelings with you? Am I safe to, to navigate my doubts and my, my confusions with you, Dad? With you, Husband, wives, your, your husband is asking the question without asking it, am I ever going to be enough? Is there a point in which what I have done matters? Do you believe in me? Do you believe the best in me? Will you be here as I try to get better? There are questions being asked of one another that are not said out loud, but are inherently laying dormant within our spirit. We have to ask ourselves this. So what do we do? We, we listen and we obey. We, we evaluate and we build. We recognize those areas that need repair and we renew them. I want to leave you with this. Have you, have you ever been to that dangerous place filled with people who really love crafts? The, the place in which they will run over your child with a shopping cart in order to get to yarn that's 50% off. Have you been there? I avoid this place, this place called Hobby Lobby. I believe it's of the devil, even though they're owned by Christian families. One of the, the things, because they're owned by Christians, they have 
wall art that has scriptures on them. And one of the most famous ones is found in, in the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua is speaking to Israel and he says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites. This is not on the wall art, by the way. It's not, it doesn't say all the Amorites and Euphrates, just by the way. But this is what it does say. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When we look at the context in which this was written, the Israelites had defeated the majority of the enemies as they went into the promised land. Joshua was at the end of his life and he was almost like a dad sending his kids off to college and he's giving them the dad speech. Hey, I'm, I'm sending you out on your own. But if, if serving God seems undesirable to you, you choose for yourself who you want to serve. Choose the direction of life which you want to go. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Why was Joshua so hard about this? Because Joshua sensed something in his spirit. As he stood before these Israelites who had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And as he's communicating with them, something in his gut says, they don't mean this. They're saying we want to serve. If you read the whole passage, they're like, no, we want God. Yeah. And he's like, are you sure? Because I don't know. This is a commitment. Are you sure that you want to do this? We're all in. I'm just telling you. He's just, he's just over and over warning them. Don't intend to follow God and not actually do it. This is not gonna end well for you. Do you truly mean this? We started out with an important truth. Our direction, not our intention, determines our direction, our, de our, our destination. What Joshua felt in his bones in that moment, unfortunately came true in the next book of the Bible in Judges. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. And the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and, and the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great things God had done for Israel. But after that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they served the Baals. How is it possible that a generation could be raised up and not know all of what God had done? How's that possible? It's possible because they stopped talking about it. It's possible because serving God, listening and obeying was no longer a part of their DNA. And the challenge for you and I is not have the intention, the hope, 
to structure our lives, structure our relationships, structure our marriage, structure our dating, structure our parenting on the foundation of Jesus. It's not hoping we can do that. It's doing it. It's doing the work. I wanna leave you with this last challenge. When it comes to the people that you love the most, where are you heading? And is it where you wanna end up? Where are you heading in your marriage? Is it where you wanna end up? Where are you heading in your parenting? Is it where you wanna end up? Where are you heading in the relationships that matter most to you? Is it where you want to end up? If not, stop. See where you're heading and allow God to, to give you the wisdom to structure your relationships, to flourish rather than to fail. Trust him, listen, obey, tear down the walls and begin to build pillars. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every person who's watching online. Pray for every person who's in this room right now. Pray for me. God, would you reveal whether or not our, our relationships that matter most to us, whether they're structured to fail or, or to flourish? Would you give us the spiritual eyes to see the direction we're heading and, and see if that's where we wanna end up? A relationship that's just tolerating one another, or just surviving one another, a, a relationship and in which we have no, no hope that there's potential on the other side. If that's the relationship that we're heading, God, would you give us the courage to stop and turn and restructure and renew and tear down the wall so that you can build something new in its place. God, let us structure our relationships, our relationship with you, our relationships with the people that we love the most. Let us structure them on a firm foundation that we can build on for generations to come. That those who follow us would be able to look at our lives and say they didn't they weren't perfect and they they had their own issues and they had to figure it all out but the reality is i know without a shadow of a doubt that there was love and there was hope and there was a sound mind because their lives were built on a firm foundation of jesus that is my prayer for everyone who hears this today jesus we love you we thank you we pray all of this in strong, in your mighty name. Amen.